It is good to be here in the Lord's house. I would ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning, the book of Galatians in chapter number 2. The book of Galatians chapter 2. While you turn there, I want to express my gratitude to Beverly Manor Baptist Church for the very generous love gift and for not the bag, but bags of goodies that we received. I also want to uh, publicly express my gratitude for your pastor, Brother Jason Schultz, who is a good friend of mine, and I value him greatly. I love him, respect his ministry. Um, pastors need friends, and he is a friend of mine. And um, I may not tell everybody that, but I, maybe I can get away with it right here, but nonetheless. Galatians chapter 2, I want to read just one verse with you right now. Galatians 2, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, even we, even we Jews, have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I have been assigned the subject of sola fide, which is a Latin term which just simply means faith alone. This teaching of sola fide is simply another way of saying justification by faith alone. You will hear me use these terms, sola fide, or faith alone, or justification by faith interchangeably throughout this message. To integrate my assigned sola into the five solas, we would say this. It is the authority of Scripture alone that rightly teaches that sinners are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. The importance of this doctrine, sola fide, simply cannot be overstated. One Bible scholar has said that the doctrine of sola scriptura, Brother Tom's subject last night, could be likened to the Titan Atlas, who, according to Greek mythology, bears planet Earth on his shoulders. If this is indeed an accurate and fitting illustration, then I think the doctrine of sola fide could be compared unto the world which Atlas upholds. Or stated another way, sola scriptura lifts high the doctrine of sola fide on which the souls of men rest and rely. It is that important. In introduction, I think perhaps one of the most helpful things that I could do for you today is to define our terms. Again, sola fide, or faith alone, is the subject been assigned to me, and sola fide is the teaching that answers these questions. How can fallen men have a right standing before God? Or by what means 
Can mortal men be declared righteous? The answer is, we are justified by faith alone. But since I intend to use this term justification by faith frequently, I think it would be wise to be certain that we are all on the same page and all speaking the same language. That word justified, the doctrine of justification means to declare not guilty or to acquit. Justification is a legal term. It is a forensic term. I would have you think of a courtroom setting. And there in the courtroom, there's an individual standing before the judge, and that person will be declared either guilty or innocent. The Bible teaches us that every person on the planet, as Brother Doug brought out last night, every one of us stand before God guilty. We are sinners guilty before God, and it is the holy judge of all the earth who will say that we are either condemned or we are justified. John 3.18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. It is the gospel that teaches us in Christ, God does for the sinner what he cannot and will not do for himself. Rather than finding us guilty, and condemning us to hell for all of eternity, the doctrine of justification reveals that God, because of the meritorious work of the Messiah, declares us not guilty. And this is done by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it, that grace that yields faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When we, by, by grace, through faith, trust in the finished work of the risen Christ, God declares us not guilty. We are justified freely and forever. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Rather than condemnation, by grace through faith, we receive divine justification. And what I want to show to you today is that this act of justification or declaring humans as having a right standing before God is accomplished by faith alone. Very simply, the doctrine of sola fide teaches us how lost sinners are declared righteous by God or before God by faith alone. But I also, I want to emphasize to you that to distort the doctrine of justification by faith is to misrepresent the gospel itself. And in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, as we answer this question, how are fallen sinners declared righteous by God? The Apostle Paul says it as clearly and emphatically as it possibly could be stated. Notice in this, in this text would be verse 16, knowing 
that a man is not justified, declared innocent before, before God. A man is not justified by the works of the law. But how? By the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we, and he is talking in a Jewish context right here, even we Jews have believed in Jesus that we might be justified, how? By the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Now listen to this, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified forever or ever. In fact, I want you to go ahead and notice verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Chapter 3, verse number 8 in the scripture. Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen. That's us in Jewish vernacular. That God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Look at chapter 3, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. The just shall live by faith. Verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. By faith alone. One might think when he was reading this that Paul is endeavoring to make a point. Faith. 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 We are justified by faith alone. In this letter, Paul proves beyond any doubt, whether Jew or Gentile, justification is by sola fide, faith alone. This is and always has been the only way lost sinners can be saved. The opposite end of justification by faith is the unorthodox idea of justification by works or justification by grace plus Works. However, the verses that we have read together should make it pretty plain. No amount of law keeping has ever saved a single soul, nor will it ever. The churches of Galatia had erred by allowing these false teachers to convince them that they needed to hold on to certain Old Testament rules or laws or ceremonies in order to be saved or to remain saved. But this just isn't the case, dear friends. Without apology, the Apostle Paul is inspired to confront this error in the strongest language possible. These churches of Galatia needed to dispel the false teachers and their false doctrine, but more than that, they needed to dispel the false notion that anyone can appease God by keeping the law. And in like manner, today, if you are relying on your good works to get you to heaven, I hope that you will learn 
your good isn't good enough. And in fact, any notion that salvation is based partly on faith and partly on works or partly on you and partly on Jesus is a direct affront to the substitutionary sacrifice of the Jesus of Nazareth. I want today to look at this book of Galatians. While, of course, we cannot do an in-depth study, I want to highlight a number of passages that deal with the matter at hand. To rightly understand this book of Galatians and Paul's emphasis on justification by faith along in this letter, we must understand and appreciate the underlying circumstances that prompted the apostles' attention. So first, I would like to speak to the background of the book. First, the background of the book, and it is this. A group of individuals had come to the churches of Galatia claiming that they had been sent from Jerusalem by James and spoke with his authority. It is likely that these are some of the same men, or at least men cut from the same malcontent mold that Paul makes reference to in chapter 2, verse number 4. Look there, chapter 2, verse 4, and that because of false brethren, uh, and that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ, that they might bring us into bondage. These false brethren, false teachers who were trying to bring us back under bondage, under Old Testament law. These false brethren, these false teachers had successfully convinced the Galatians that they taught with the authority of the apostles in Jerusalem. This was not the case. They were deceivers who had, de- who had devoted their lives to undermining the evangelistic efforts of the apostle Paul in derailing the truth that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the Christ. It was this same wrong-headed faction that had followed Paul and made havoc of his ministry, challenging at every turn his authority and his apostleship. And unfortunately, it was these same Jewish leaders who had intimidated Peter into kowtowing to their legalistic standards rather than living in the liberty that we have in Christ. The background of the book is this. False teachers had entered into the churches of Galatia and had brought with them damnable heresy and had deceived many. The Galatians had foolishly allowed these wicked workers to come into their assemblies and mangle the message of the gospel. Now while there are other issues and other truths taught in this letter, I think it would be fair to say that one of, if not the primary attention is given by Paul to the doctrine of justification by faith alone. What then was this false doctrine that these false teachers had promoted? Notice with me now, I want to give specific thought to the error 
that these brethren brought in. So notice with me, secondly, the error exposed. The error exposed. The false doctrine that these false brethren had taught was that faith alone was not enough to save. Let me say that again. These false teachers believed and taught that trusting in the finished work of Christ alone is insufficient to save. In other words, you must do something. You must do more than just have faith. You must also keep the law in some form. As Jews who refused to let go of the old covenant, these wolves in sheep's clothing had taught the Galatians that in order to become a Christian, they needed to be circumcised. They had to keep the law. In other words, they taught things like, in order to be saved, you've got to keep the Old Testament dietary laws. In order to be a Christian, you have to keep the safe. Uh, in order to be saved, you have to keep the Sabbath. And these individuals are called Judaizers. And it wouldn't hurt you at all to get familiar with that term. In fact, if you'll notice Galatians 2, verse 14, right at the close of that verse, you see this phrase, Why compellest thou the Gentiles, notice this, to live as do the Jews. And that little phrase right there in the Greek is where we get the term or title Judaizer. That is to live as the Jews, to live as the Jews under the old covenant, keeping the law, the sacrifices and the ceremonies. These false brethren, were a group either from the Sanhedrin or sent by the Sanhedrin who refused to let go of their twisted version of the Old Testament law and demands. These overzealous legalists had combined works and faith and grace and law as a means of appeasing God, refusing to recognize Jesus as the promised Messiah, these confused critics of Christ devoted their lives to promoting salvation by a combination of faith and words. They wrongly taught that eternal life required grace plus, faith plus, rather than grace alone and faith alone. And contrary to the true gospel, they had cunningly convinced the Galatians that certain deeds, laws, or customs must be kept in order to be saved. And friends, they could not have been more wrong. The truth is, this idea of being saved by law-keeping wasn't even taught in the Old Testament, which Paul labors to point out both here in Galatians and in the book of Romans that Abraham was known as the father of the faith, right? That Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. 
And in quoting the Old Testament, Paul repeatedly writes, The just shall live by faith. Keeping the law never has and never will save a single soul. The law, in fact, was never intended as a means for us to earn a righteous standing before God, but instead to reveal our unrighteousness. We are not and cannot be saved by our own acts of righteousness for outside of Christ, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Every good deed is tainted by sin outside of faith in Christ alone. Listen again. Verse number 16. Galatians 2, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. How much clearer could Paul be? It doesn't matter what good deeds we do. No one ever will ever be saved by anything other than grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And even in our world, where we don't combat these same false teachers, yet we must expose the same false doctrine. Because, friends, there are those who are deceived and there are those who continue to deceive others. So let's be clear and let's expose this error like the Apostle Paul as clearly as I can possibly say it. You cannot be saved by faith plus anything and it doesn't matter what it is. You are not saved by faith plus good deeds. You are not saved by faith plus baptism. You are not saved by faith and going to confession. You are not saved by faith and partaking of the sacraments. You are not saved by faith and observing mass. You are not saved by faith and keeping the Sabbath. You are not saved by faith and anything. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. And if you're here today, and you're saved, it is by the good grace of God alone. Grace is like a, like a conduit that brings saving faith. And the lost sinner reaches out and embraces Christ as their only hope of heaven. This is what it means to be born again. With all of his faults and failures, and there were many of them, Martin Luther was right when he said, we are justified by faith alone, but that faith never comes alone. Or works can never produce faith, but saving faith will always produce good works. 
Just as smoke does not produce fire, but fire always produces smoke, we are not and cannot be saved by works, but faith will always produce good works. If, friend, you are trusting in 99% Jesus and 1% you, you are not a Christian. You must trust in Christ alone. That's somebody else's sermon, so let me leave that alone. All right, thank you. You're early on that, by the way. After seeing the error exposed, I want us to think just how egregious this false teaching that you could be saved by human effort, human merit. I want us to see just how egregious this false teaching is. So notice with me third, the magnitude of this mistake. The magnitude of this mistake. And here I hardly know where to begin. But maybe we should just begin where Paul begins the letter to the Galatians. So just turn back to chapter 1 and I'll, I'll get there with you in just a minute. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is upset enough by the conduct and the behavior of the Christians of Galatia that he sits down and writes this epistle, this letter with his own hands, which he normally did not do. He would normally dictate it to a penman, but he is so upset, it's as if he reaches down and grabs the the quill from the hand of the ready scribe, and he says, I've got to say this on my own. And he begins this letter with as little formality as possible, dispensing with his normal niceties, Paul gets right down to the business of scolding these churches for the most egregious of errors. Oh, oh, if we could only, if we could only get a tiny taste of the bitterness that these churches of Galatia must have experienced when they read this letter. Feel the weight, would you? Feel the weight of the words of the angry apostle as he rebukes them for their folly. And Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, opens this letter with a theological thunderbolt openly rebuking the ugly audacity of those who would pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit would not tolerate this assault on the perfect work of the Son. So the Spirit burdens Paul to pen this scathing censure to awaken the Galatians from their spiritual slumber. And as you note with me, Chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I want you to look at those words and I want you to feel Paul's fury. Verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another because there is not another saving gospel. There's only one. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now listen to this. 
But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. I'm going to put it in as clear a language as can be said. Let him be damned to hell. That's what he means. And he is so angry and upset, he reiterates reiterates it in verse 9. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed, anathematized, or condemned forever. Do you feel the weight of those words? Can you see the Apostle Paul as he guards the gospel and the doctrine of justification by faith saying to this church, how could you? How could you? In fact, he'll go on to say, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has got in your head and filled it with doctrine that is contrary to the truth of the gospel? How could you let this happen? In fact, Paul says, listen, I I warned you, I told you to look out for these wolves in sheep's clothing. And yet I'm no more than out of town and you let these heretics come in. He's livid with them. And he's righteously indignant towards their indifference to the most important message in the world. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul would say, I'm amazed. I marvel that you so quickly drifted from the truth. I'm astonished. How could you leave Jesus and go back to the Old Testament law thinking that's a means to be right with God? Yet there's some among you, those who trouble you, who would pervert, distort, twist the gospel of Christ. Paul says this, I don't care who you are. Listen, I don't care if you claim to be an angel from heaven. If you come preaching any other message than the true message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, let that person be accursed. Now that's pretty serious. Consider the magnitude of this mistake. Paul here is... He is not mincing words. He is without any hesitancy calling out these false teachers, their false doctrine, and the foolishness of the Galatians to allow it. I'm a little fired up. I've been studying this for six or seven weeks. I'm, listen, Sola Scriptura holds up this truth, and this truth is so vital. It is so, so important. In this book, listen to me, in this book, Paul links together the doctrine of justification by faith alone and the finished work or the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, these opening verses that we just read, verses chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, are not to be separated from chapter 2, verse 16, our text. 
They're not, don't get the idea that one has nothing to do with the other. That's not true at all. Rather, Paul begins this way as an introduction to the eternal enormity of mishandling the gospel. To get this wrong, to get sola fide wrong, is the greatest offense known to man. Failing to accurately and biblically explain how mortal men can be declared righteous by God is a crime without equivalent. Invariably, mishandling sola fide teaches people a false gospel that gives them a false hope which is the absolute worst thing that you could ever do to anyone. Friends, this is not fumbling on first down on opening day. This is not a minor infraction. This is a major offense. The doctrine of sola fide is not just a hill to die on. It is the hill to die on. The doctrine of salvation is not some secondary or tertiary issue on which we can agree to disagree. Paul recognized what we too must recognize, that the eternal souls of men hang in the balance. How sinners are declared righteous by God by trusting And the atoning work of Jesus is not an issue in which there can be even an ounce of ambiguity. This is of first priority. Which is why Paul comes right out of the starting gate, running at full speed, seeking to trample underfoot the errors of those false teachers. Now perhaps you think, well preacher, you're fired up and you're, you're, you're maybe overstating the importance of this. Maybe you think I'm in error by saying the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of sola fide are intricately intertwined. And if that's what you think, notice with me chapter 2 again, verse 4 and 5. Again, these false teachers, verse 4, and that because of false brethren, unawares brought in who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Notice verse 5. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that... The truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul said, I ain't having it. Not for one minute. I will not tolerate. I won't give room. I won't back up. I'm not giving an inch. Not at all to these heretics who are promoting a false gospel by saying you can be justified in another way than by trusting in Christ alone. If you are in the habit of underlining and circling things, I would encourage you out of verse 5, the truth of the gospel, that you understand the emphasis that Paul gives there. And then if you continue reading, 
verses 11 through 14, and I'll just have to mention this and move. In verses 11 through 14, Peter, the apostle Peter, by his behavior, not by his doctrine, but by his conduct, capitulated to some of these same false teachers in another town. And Paul says, I reprimanded him to his face. You get how serious Paul is? He says, I don't care who you claim to be. I don't care who you claim sent you here. I don't even care if you are the apostle Peter. If you do not by word and doctrine and by practice and conduct, if you do not rightly proclaim the clear message of sola fide, in sola Christus, in Christ alone, if you don't live that out and bear that out, I'm going to have words with you. Verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. If you go on to read it, you're going to find out Peter succumbed to fear. These Judaizers came into a different town and Peter... Peter all of a sudden dropped his pork ribs and his sausage biscuit and ran back up to get it back under the Old Testament law just so he didn't want to be ridiculed or made fun of by these Jewish elders, these Jewish leaders. Paul said, by doing that, Peter, you misrepresented the gospel. You think I'm saying, look at verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to to the truth of the gospel. There's that same phrase again. I said unto Peter before them all, because what Peter had done led Barnabas astray and led others astray. It matters what you say and what you do. You can misteach and you can mislead by word or by example. And Paul said, I don't, it doesn't matter to me if you're an apostle Peter, we're on the Mount of Transfiguration. When you don't get this right, we're going to have words. Again, I withstood Peter, verse 14, I said unto Peter before them all, if you are a Jew who lives during the liberty of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why are you trying to force the Gentiles to live like Jews or be Judaizers? When Peter started living like an old covenant Jew instead of a new covenant Christian, it distorted the truth of the gospel and the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And the Apostle Paul said, I withstood even Peter to his face. We, we have been tasked by God to guard the purity of the gospel. And it is doctrines like the ones that we are preaching about this weekend that helps preserve the purity of the gospel message. We have got to recognize the glorious good news of Jesus Christ and free grace is constantly under attack, constantly under attack by enemies from without and by fearfulness from within. The gospel was under attack in the first century and the gospel is still under attack in the 21st century. 
and teachings like the five solas help us undergird the gospel and guard it against those who would corrupt it. Every Christian should serve as a steadfast soldier of the cross, garrisoning the good news of Christ, lest the gospel be assaulted by its relentless adversaries. When the truth of the gospel is at stake, souls are at stake. It's that important. One simply cannot overstate the importance of justification by faith alone. If I can quote a couple of reformers without being either branded or branded as one, Martin Luther stated that justification is the first and chief article of the Christian faith. John Calvin called it, justification called it, the main hinge upon which true religion turns. Listen, friends. You can be wrong about a lot of things and still go to heaven. But you cannot be wrong about the manner in which mortal men are declared righteous before a holy God and still be a Christian. Oil, in the south, that's two syllables, oil. Oil and water will never mix. Yet these treacherous teachers had somehow bewitched the believers in Galatia by saying we're saved by works and grace, or deeds and faith, and those two never mix. And Paul was incensed. In fact, Galatians 2, verse 21, I want you to hear Galatians 2, verse 21. Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Now listen to this, for if righteousness came, come by the law, then Christ died for nothing. If you could be right with God without Jesus, then we don't need him. That's the magnitude of this mistake. That's the weight of this error. If we could be right with God by grace plus, faith plus, then Jesus' death was absolutely useless and meaningless. The doctrine of sola fide affirms how sinners are declared righteous before God. And to distort sola fide is to distort the true gospel. To misrepresent the manner in which sinful men are declared righteous by God is a direct assault on the substitutionary sacrifice of God's own Son. And Paul refused to give an inch when it comes to the doctrine of salvation, and so should we. We should, we should refuse to back up, stand up, or, or give up even an inch. Which leads me to my fourth and final point. The doctrine of sola fide defended. Now, I'm not going to wear you out by walking you back through, but I would encourage you to take the time to look 
at Galatians 2, verse 16, knowing. Knowing. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt. There's no question about this, Paul. In fact, if, you, if you're interested, verse 16 follows right after that confrontation with Peter and the truth of the gospel. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith. Now, I want you to notice the close of this verse. Three times, three times in the same verse, Paul says that we are not justified by works, but by faith. Three times in the same verse. But then notice the close of this verse. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I guess that I am just naive enough to believe that when Paul wrote no flesh, that's just exactly what he meant. Not Old Testament flesh, not New Testament flesh, not Jewish flesh, not Gentile flesh, not light colored skin or flesh, not darker colored skin or flesh, not Sanhedrin flesh, not Samaritan flesh, not American flesh, no person, no one, no human, no individual, no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, none can ever be saved by their good deeds but by faith alone. Chapter 3, verse 11, but that no man, does that cover everybody? But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. And then he quotes the Old Testament to prove it. The just shall live by faith. I want to say this to you. If Jewishness, living by the Old Testament standards and laws, If Jewishness could have saved anyone, the Apostle Paul said it could have saved me. (laughs) If you could be saved by being Jewish, buddy, go to Philippians chapter number 3, and we're not going to turn there. You you go there, what Paul is going to say is, all of that that I thought was leading to life was just leading to death, and it's all but done. Tom made reference to it last night. It's just refuse. I just want rid of it. In the life that I now live, I live through the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As I close now, I want to make reference to just a couple more things as the doctrine of sola fide is defended. In Romans chapter 1, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read this and quit. In Romans chapter 1, Paul condemns the Gentile world of sin all the Gentile world of sin in Romans chapter 2 Paul condemns the Jewish world of sin in Romans chapter 3 he condemns all of humanity under sin and then he writes in Romans 3 verse 20 therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh again no flesh be justified in his sight 
Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are just a sampling of how the doctrine of sola fide could be defended. I really don't know how much clearer the Holy Spirit could be than what he is, than what he what, than what he was and he had Paul penned the book of Galatians and Romans. Friend, you cannot be saved by trusting in anything or anyone other than the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Galatians foolishly allowed this error. The Judaizers foolishly promoted the error. Some surprising saints foolishly kowtowed to the error. But we must stand for the truth that we are justified. By sola fide, faith alone. The only way anyone on planet earth at any time has ever been saved was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. What are you trusting? God bless you. Thank you for your time.